Bokatom, welcome back to another ongoing series of Shiram and Dafyomi. We're now in Ketubot, Daf Memvav Amud Bed, at the Mishnah on top. And this Mishnah is a very Sudi Mishnah within the whole framework of Ketubah and Ketubot, and it outlines essentially the father's rights and responsibilities as, as, um, as, it re- as they relate to his daughter who is a Na'ara, and compare them and contrast them to the rights of a husband relative to his wife. So the father has chuyot relative to his daughter. Now this, by the way, is when she's a ktana in an ara. So first of all, he can betroth her. With all three methods of kiddushin. Also, anything she finds and anything she earns goes to him. He can repudiate her in a darim. Uh, that, of course, doesn't apply to a ktana except within the year before She's an ara. Umakabal of Gita. If she's divorced, he can be the one to accept the get. However, this is the one limitation relative to the husband that we'll see. Is that let's say that the girl gets an inheritance through her mother. Uh, her mother inherited something and her mother's not alive, so it comes directly to her as the, as the sole heir. Um, it's put in a trust fund and the father cannot touch that. Niseit, we'll say that that's not unanimous. Niseit, Atar al once she marries, the husband has an additional right that the father did not have. Of course, some of those do not exist for the husband, such as Kiddusheha. Uh, but what is this leg up? She'ochel perot The husband does have a right to achila perot, something that we saw both in Yevamot and earlier on in Ketubot, um, about the, the husband's right to eat perot, a property the woman brings in. He's to feed her, which is to ransom her if she's been captive, captured, and if she dies, he's to take care of the funeral. Parenthetically, even the poorest man should not give his wife a funeral of any less than two chalilim, which are the musical instruments they used to use part of leading the, the procession, and at least one woman singing dirges at the funeral, as was the custom. Okay, the Gemara is now simply going to go step by step through all the items listed in the Mishnah and indicate how we know that that is a right of the father. Now, how do we know that the father has rights to be Makadish's daughter, Bekesef, and the Kesef goes to him, which is two questions. I'm reviewing This Pasuk is um, a description of what happens to an Amahi Vriah when the time comes. And she has simanim, and the master doesn't want to marry her or marry her after her, her his son. Then she leaves for free and kesef, meaning she leaves the reshut of the adon and no money comes to the adon. And the implication is ain kesef adon aviha. When she leaves this master, he gets no kesef. But there is another master who, when she leaves his reshut, which is kiddushin, um, then there is money that goes to him, and that is the father. So why don't we suggest, yes, that there's money that changes hands, but it doesn't go to the father, it goes to her. We say that doesn't work. Why? After all, the father can choose who she's going to marry. We just dealt with that in the last two podcasts. In the context of Motsi Shemra, it says, I gave my daughter to this man, which indicates that he had the right to do so. So if he's the one who can choose who she's Mikudesha to, he shakla kaspa. 
So she, can she get the money then from those Kiddushin? So we said, maybe that only applies to a Ketana. In other words, maybe when it says that he betrothed her when she was a Ketana. Of course, he had to be Motsi Shemra when she was a Nara, as we already saw. So maybe that only applies to a Ketana, because a Ketana herself has no rights. Remember, Nara is sort of an ambiguous or doubled over situation. She herself has rights to make Kinyanim, but the father also has rights. So maybe if she's a Nara, then the father can choose who she betrothes, but the money would go to her. She can, she can also decide who she's going to marry, except Kiddushin, keep the money. We already saw this attempt a little while ago. Pasuk at the end of Parshat Andarim says, the Parshat Andarim says that um, these are the laws that Hashem commanded regarding a daughter, bin Urah Beitavia. What's the juxtaposition? All benefits that accrue to her during the time of Na'arut come to the father. No, if that's the case, if that pasuk is so good that it can teach us that Kesav Kiddushin go to the father, how do we know, and this is a central piece in our Mishnah, that the wages of the daughter go to the father? In that same parsha of Amayivriya at the beginning, it says, if a man sells his daughter to be an Amah. Why are those two together? Just like an Amah, her wages go to her master. Since similarly, a daughter, her Ma'aseadim, go to her father. In other words, there's a parallel created between a daughter and a father, parallel to a, an Amah and her master. Now, uh, now, why? So why did Rav need to go to the pasuk of Mishpatim? He could have gotten it from the pasuk of Mamidbar, If that's such a good pasuk that teaches all benefits of Narut go to the father. The answer is the pasuk about Minurabetavia is unique and cannot be a model for anything else because it's about hafarat Darim. So you say, well, maybe that should be a model. The answer is, and I explained this recently, that you could not infer uh, laws relating to um, to financial dealings, mamona, meaning who the kasav goes to, from isura, from ritual law. So why don't we infer it from Kanas, the fact that the Kanas clearly goes to the father, Kanas of Onus and and Motsushema goes to the father. That's explicit in the Torah. The answer is, Mamon and You cannot infer laws of Mamon from a Kanas. As we see, Kanas is a whole different story. Kanas is much more about a guilt than as opposed to reparations. Mamon Kanas Patur, Kanas is a flat rate. Chitem and Elif Moshtuvkam, but Moshtuvkam are Mamonot, as we saw. If a person admits to Onus and Pitu, he still has to pay the Moshtuvkam. And so therefore, Boshet of Kam, which go to the father, should be a very good model, because of Kiddushin, all go to the, also go to the father. The answer is, Shani Boshet of Kam, Davia Namishayach After all, Boshet of Kam, maybe go to the father, not because the father has rights in his daughter, but because the father is also part of the, the, uh, one who is damaged as a result, both in Boshet of Kam, because his family name has been shamed, and he's also lost the value of the daughter as a betula, etc. Which means that we can't, don't have any model that tells us why Kesef Kiddushin should go to her, to the father. We go back to our original Pasuk, and it makes sense that what the Torah is doing is it's saying, in this case, when she leaves, and Kasef. But in a parallel case, when she leaves, there is Kasef, and who does the Kasef go to? The Kasef goes to the same one that it didn't go to in this case. It didn't go to the master. Here it goes to this man playing the role of the master, which is the father. But you can't compare the two. After all, when she leaves her master's domain, she's totally free. 
She leaves totally. But when she leaves her father's to shoot mini Kedushin, the truth is that she doesn't leave. She's still living at home. She still needs to be handed over to the Chupa, which means she's still not totally out of the father's domain, So, which means that just because you don't give money to the Adon when she's freed, but you say in a parallel one you would give the money, this isn't really a parallel one. So the answer is, and now we are going back to Farandarim from a different angle. The truth is that she is totally out of the domain, and it's not total, but she is out of the domain of the father. When the Gabe how come? Right, that the Mishnah, the beginning of the 10th paragraph says that a Naraha both father and husband, have to contribute together and have to cooperate to do Farandarim. Why? Because she's out of the reshut of the father. Well, that's not exactly true, because if she were out of the reshut of the father, the husband would do it alone. So the answer is that it's, Megas guy is, she's partially out, partially in, but the point is that just like leaving the reshut to the Adon, even though she's still living in her father's house, she's still not totally under her father's roof, if you will, because the father cannot alone do a farad and darim. And therefore, it's parallel enough to say, you see, just like the money that would have gone to the master, and the Torah says it doesn't, here the money does go to the master, that's the father. All right, Shtarubiyah, the Mishnah said that uh, the father is Zoche Bishtarubiyah, meaning he can hand his daughter over for Kiddushe Bia or Kiddushe Shtar. So Manalan, how do we know that? In the famous Parsha about Kiddushin and Gittin, which is in Tvarim uh, Haftal, in the first couple of Psukim, the case that's presented is really not a case of Kiddush and Gittin elementally, but elementally, but rather about Machzir Grushato. And it's presented as a man marries a girl, and and he divorces her, and he divorces her, and that's where we learn all the laws of Kiddush and Gerush from that one Pasuk. And then if she leaves and goes to another man, and it doesn't say how she is to another man, whether Shtarbi or Kesef. Right, and then if it goes on from there, if the second man dies or divorces, she can't come back to the first guy. And that's why it's there. So now, meaning all of the havayot, all of the different ways that she could become married to the next guy are all compared as one. So for just like the father is Ochab Kesef, so Bishtar Ubabiya also the same thing. Good. The next piece in the Mishnah that we saw was that he zoche b'mitziata. Why? Mishum eva. Because after all, um, um, that since the, Rashi, since the father is not chayav to feed her, if she finds something and she doesn't hand over to the father, he's going to be upset with her and he won't feed her and we want to make sure that there's nice relationships there. Uh, Tosu has a different approach. The father is chut This we just saw. Now wait a second. You're comparing ishut bitoliyama. Remember, the only daughter you can tell is a ktana. So maybe it's only a ktana whose maseyadayim go to the father, because after a ktana dematzimazbina, he could sell her. The father cannot sell the daughter when she's a nara because simanim will take her out anyways. So maybe the masayadayim belong to the girl when she's a nara because after all she couldn't be sold. And your whole starting point is a comparison to anamayvriya. 
The answer is Mistamra de Aviavu. It means reasonable it belongs to the father. If you think it belongs not to the father. Interesting point. How can the father, if the father doesn't have the rights to her wages, how can the father decide when to hand her over to the chuppah? After all, he, the father, could decide we're going to do it next Sunday, and that's taken away from her work, which is hers. So the answer, that's a very simple one. So we'll say that, uh, you know, the father pays her a little bit. Uh, for what she's lost in her wages. Or he hands her over at a time she couldn't work at night or on Shabbos and Yontif for the chuppah, which she wouldn't be working anyways. So that's not a challenge. The answer is that this possible, he should be totally that Rav used to learn that Masiyadayim go to the father is not necessary if we're talking about Akhtana because Akhtana is a no-brainer that it goes to the father. Right, because after all, if the father could sell her, as we're going from where we started the argument, turning it inside out, if the father could sell her at that point, so certainly the Maisei go to him. Right, so therefore the pasuk must be there. The pasuk must be there. Tafkara tell us about a nara. Good. How do we know the father can be made for nadarim? Well, that's an open pasuk. How do I know the father can accept her get? The pasuk says, And the very famous hekesh of Makish Havaya we compare divorce to to Kiddushin. That's, by the way, how we know that Kiddushin can be done through a star. And therefore, just like the father can accept Kiddushin, he can accept Gerushin. Now, this next one is a little bit more complex. These have been a fairly straightforward list. What is this talking about? It's talking about a case where the girl inherits money through her mother's family, and that money is put in a trust fund, and the father can't touch it. But Rabbi Yosef Yehuda, I told you there was a dissent. They disagree. Now, it might be palgi. So, what's the core of the disagreement? The Tanakhama says as follows. We know, as we're going to find out soon, that the that the reason the Rabbonan said that the husband can eat the perot of the wife's property while they're married is the imkem mimna veloparik, because that's sort of his quid pro quo for the commitment that he is going to redeem her if she's ever ransomed. But in the case of a father, what's the story? What, what, what are you going to say? What, do you think he's not going to redeem his own daughter? He'll redeem her in any case. So therefore, we don't need to give him a gimme and say, you've got the perot as well. So why does Rabbi Yosef Yehuda disagree? After all, we're not disagreeing here about drashot. We're not disagreeing about here about anything doraita. We're disagreeing about how the Rabbanon formulated the relationship between husband and wife and the schuyot. So why would Rabbi Yehuda think that the Rabbanan specifically did mandate to give the perot to the husband, sorry, to the father? The answer is, He says, you know what? The rabbis considered that the father might also not redeem her. Why? After all, she's got a trust fund. Literally means she's got a money pouch. The idea is she's got this trust fund. Let her redeem herself. And the father won't redeem her. And therefore, he says, we give Perot to the father, so the father's going to feel good about her and financially, and therefore, he will redeem her. He said, So we said that the, 
the husband has a leg up in that he does eat perot. That's very clear that the nichsevolog that the girl brings in, which belonged to her, nonetheless the husband eats the perot while they are married. Tanarbanan. So they wrote at the time of the Ketubah, uh, perot and clothing and all sorts of things that she's going to bring with her. And they write that in, that she's going to bring with her into her husband's house. And meta, and then she died. These things do not come to the Baal. He disagrees and he says, you know what? They wrote that in, even though the marriage never took place and she died, the husband gets all those things. Now, maybe Rabbi Natan and the Chachamim are disagreeing in a parallel disagreement with the Machloket of earlier generations of Rabbi Lazar and Azari and the Rabbanon. That none. We have the following Mishnah in the uh, beginning of the um, of the fifth parak. It Armelon Garshem in Anisuin, Benyanisuin Benyanon in Erusin Gova Etakol. So now we're going to flip it. Now, now we're talking about a case where he died. He died or divorced her, whether they were married or only betrothed. She collects the entire ketubah. disagrees and says, I agree with you that if it was after Nisuin, she collects everything. But after Erosin, she only gets the Ikar ketubah, which is one or two hundred, depending who she was, but not the Tosefet. This is somewhat akin to the Machloket that we just saw a little while ago, about when do we backdate, as far as Shibudim goes, the different parts of the Ketubah. But it's not the same Machloket. So now, what's his reason? After all, why did he write Tosefet? It was based on the notion that he was going to marry her. Since none of that happened, and he never got that far, therefore, she can only collect the 100-200, which are the basic Ketubah. Now, where's is what we think. Laman de Amar the one who said Lo Zacha, which is Chachamim in the previous Brita, uh, must hold Korbalaz and Azariah. That the, all of those things that she wrote, the clothing and everything else that was going to come with her, are all based on the notion they were going to get married. And therefore, that must be like Korbalaz and Azariah, that we don't assume that everything that was written automatically becomes the property of the husband, but rather, it, some of them are understood to be part of getting married. If marriage never happens, the schut never happens. That's what we think. Who says that the husband does get these things, must hold like a Rabbanon who says that if the guy dies, even in Arison, she collects the entire Ketubah. So we reject that alignment. Everybody agrees with Rabbi Lazar Azariah that you cannot collect the entire Ketubah unless you're actually married to the guy for a little while. At least five minutes. Right? And we say as follows. Um... Who said that all of that property doesn't come to the guy? That's easy. That's just a straight up. But Rabinatan who says that the guy does get it. When did Rabbi Lazman Azaria say that it's contingent upon actually marrying? That's the things that he promised her. He promised her Ketubah and he promised her Tosefet. The Tosefet was based on the idea that they're actually going to have at least one night together. But things that she's bringing into him, um, that was just because of the the notion that we're going to be married at one point. And that relationship was established. The fact that it never got carried through was not the issue. In other words, to put it into somewhat grosser terms, uh, Rabbi, uh, the, the Chachamim's position is that 
Sorry, in the case of, of, uh, Azari would say, according to the way that Rabbi Natan's explaining it, Rabbi Azari would say, when the guy put, wrote Tosefet to marry the girl, the Tosefet was all based on the idea that they were going to consummate. If something happened, if he died or divorced her before that, so the Tosefet doesn't come to her. But th- things that she wrote coming into him were because of the notion that we're going to be married. In other words, that there's a relationship established. The relationship got established. So everything that therefore comes through. And even Rabbi Elazar and Azaria would agree with that. Tov, we'll stop at this point. And Amir Tzashim, in the next podcast, we'll pick up at the Chiyuv of Mizonot. Uh, and, uh, and we'll start to see some of the quid, quid pro quo that was established in the relationships of Ketubah, established by the Beit Din Hagadol. Everybody should have a wonderful day.